This is episode number 67 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome back to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Stannard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to share some success stories from high impact leaders who've been able to build strong teams while growing successful businesses. This week, I interview another high impact leader, uh, Karen uh, Zatare, who is the CEO and chair of the board for Axigen. Now, her company specializes in something that's pretty unique. They help surgeons complete very advanced high-tech and microscopic surgeries. So in the interview, she kind of gives gives us some fascinating creative solutions that her team came up with on on how they tackled some challenges during the COVID crisis. Uh, For instance, you know, part of what they do is train surgeons to be able to, to use new procedures, things that have just been invented, you know, new techniques and that kind of thing. And they had to basically shut down their entire training center during the, the COVID crisis. So uh, when you kind of hear what she and her team did to solve that challenge, it was absolutely revolutionary to say the least. You guys are going to get a, a great kick out of out of what she kind of tells us. And if you want to be a leader in your industry, basically listen to some of the fantastic things that she kind of tells us that she did along the way. By the way, as always, if you like the sessions, don't forget to subscribe to the High Impact Leaders podcast and make sure to rate the podcast and leave me a review wherever you download the show. All right. So let's get on with the interview with Karen. Everybody, welcome back to the High Impact Leaders podcast. I got a fantastic guest for you guys today. I'm Karen Zatteray. She's with uh, Exogen which is a really, really cool company. They they help surgeons do nerve surgery more effectively, which is just fascinating. Just some of the, the cool little stories that she's told me already, I think you guys are, are really going to enjoy. But anyway, Karen, welcome to uh, High Impact Leaders. Thank you, Doug. Happy to be here. Nice, nice. Okay, so tell me a little bit about, it. by the way, you're the CEO, Big Kahuna at the uh, at, at Exogen. So uh, that means that it, you've seen everything that that your organization has uh, kind of been through. And so um, we, I, I, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is because of some of the cool things that you guys did on the fly to make adjustments, especially when the pandemic hit and how, how you're kind of taking some of those kind of lessons learned. And, and when you found stuff that worked even better, you're kind of keeping it and then kind of fixing some of the, I think you call them the pain points uh, along the way as we go. So I want to get into some of that um, as we as we get further into the, the discussion. But uh, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and, and tell us about the cool company that, that you run. Sure. Well, thank you. Um, well, uh, I'm an engineer undergrad, business degree, came from Johnson & Johnson, always working in surgical medical products and have just a real passion for helping patients uh, and helping their lives get better. And uh, I joined Axigen 15 years ago. Uh, I wasn't the founder, but I was the sixth employee when we were an idea coming out of the labs and uh, have taken us through commercialization, being public, scaling up, and now running an organization that's growing and really changing the standard of care in peripheral nerve repair and working hard to educate surgeons so that they have an awareness about all the opportunities in uh, in nerve repair. So nerves, nerves are like the wires of the body. You right. know, they, they carry all the signals so, uh, so that your brain knows uh, 
if you touch something that's hot, uh, that you need to pull your finger away. Or they also send signals out to tell your arm to move. Those are what nerves do. And uh, they're injured in lots of ways. Um, but uh, we really help surgeons when they do three things. When they uh, when a nerve is cut, so say you're working in the kitchen and you accidentally cut yourself with a kitchen knife, uh, you might cut a nerve and lose sensation in your fingers. Um, that would give uh, the surgeon a chance to bring that nerve back together and repair it to allow the opportunity to restore function. So that's one of the, or two of the products that we have are for that purpose. Right. Uh, another product is when nerves are compressed. So compression alters the signal conduction of a nerve. And uh, we have a product that the surgeon will use to wrap around the nerve and basically create a tunnel around the nerve that allows the nerve to freely glide. So think of carpal tunnel syndrome. That's an example sure, sure. for compression. And our newest product is when a nerve needs to be ended. So think about uh, like an amputation. So if you have an amputation, you want to end that nerve so that it doesn't continue to send signals back to the brain, uh, like in phantom limb pain. And so this is a way that the surgeon can cap the nerve so that it doesn't send those funny signals back to the brain. And those are the things that we focus on and really teach surgeons this new algorithm of nerve repair. So these are really high tech kind of products that, that you guys are delivering. But I, but I think one of the, the things that, that might have been a challenge for you guys, is especially during the pandemic, was that this is not the kind of thing that you can kind of just pick up and use for the first time. I'm sure there's a ton of training and education and all kinds of stuff like that, that, that probably caused a few challenges along the way, um, especially in the early days of the pandemic, right? Oh my, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we have a very uh, extensive surgeon education program because these are new ways of thinking about how do you handle these, these nerve injuries. And so some of that is education about clinical data, but there's also a hands-on component. Sure. The surgeons need to practice doing these. These are, it's called microsurgery. They do the surgery under a microscope or with loops. The nerves are tiny. The parts are tiny. Um, they need to be able to see what they're doing in that magnification and, uh, and get some real world experience before, you know, hopefully they're doing it on you. And so, hope so right? <laughs> like, I don't want to be the first one that you're doing this on. Right. So, so yeah. So we want to make sure we provide that educational opportunity. And, uh, and historically we've run um, two day seminars where surgeons come in and they work with experts in the field um, they learn a little bit about the science and the data, but then an important part, again, is that hands-on practice. And uh, during the pandemic, we needed to, to pivot and figure out how do we do this educational component, uh, but we can't fly people and we can't bring large groups of people together. And uh, we worked out um, a combination of virtual and hands-on uh, proctored by an experienced surgeon at each of the locations. And I'm happy to say we were still able to educate three quarters of the fellows. So the fellows are the surgeons who are in their final stage of training before they go out to be an attending, which has historically been the number that we, that we have been able to train. So uh, very happy we were able to do that, even with the challenges of the pandemic. That's okay. So the, the, let me make sure I understood what you just said. You, so basically, you th this training was done virtually, but you had surgeons actually doing the things and letting the other surgeons see what they were doing, so that they could 
And we experience a little bit of it, know exactly what kind of challenges and what kind of um, things that that were going to be occurring in this kind of thing, right? Is that is that? So it was like a Zoom. Right? It's like a Zoom lab, right? right. So people are all right. in their different locations doing it. We had experienced surgeons at the sites, but they were all decentralized. Rather than bringing thirty uh, or forty people together, okay. we had one or two people at each of the locations. Uh, another thing we found in the pandemic, very interesting, I never knew this, but even supporting cases, sometimes a surgeon will have a question about uh, about a particular type of repair, and we have uh, field-based people who would typically be there to help problem-solve, but in the pandemic, we couldn't do that. So what we found is, uh, you know, if you actually hold up your phone over the microscope, it'll focus through the microscope, and so the surgeon could uh, send this in saying, okay, I have a question about this. Uh, have you seen something like this before? And can you refer me to a technique? And we were able to provide options that they might consider or clinical references that they might quickly look at uh, even in the middle of a case. Uh, so that was not a skill that we right. knew before. Normally they would call our person and our person would actually come to the room. In this case, we were able to do that remotely. God, that, that's amazing because I mean, it's I'm, I'm I'm hearing so many stories like that where I mean, as bad as the pandemic was and how challenging it was, there there have been kind of breakthroughs that have occurred where you're like, we never would have figured this out if we weren't forced to, you know, behind the scenes. So oh, sometimes, I, I, absolutely. If you'd asked me before the pandemic if it was possible to support a surgeon not being in the room, I would have said absolutely not. And uh, actually, it's a pretty regular component of what we do now. Yeah, it's funny because like one like one of the things that that we do at our company is is we do leadership development and public speaking classes and stuff like that. And I would have never thought I could help somebody almost eliminate public speaking fear through Zoom. No way. I would have I've never I would have never even attempted it, but we had no choice. And we got unbelievably awesome results just kind of just just because we had to, right? And so I'm here, I hear stories like that all all the time now about how, like we said, you know, that as bad as the pandemic was, you know, some of those really breakthroughs kind of um yeah. created some, some great invention. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> so. right? Exactly. Um so you mentioned something to me before before we actually started recording it. I think you, you call it the axial values, axial values, exogenic values, exogenic yeah. values. Okay, exogenic values. Okay, good deal. So those were I, I, those were those are the values of your company that were set up. And and I didn't ask you this before, but but uh, so you don't have to answer this. But um, I know that that a lot of times when um, people kind of create their cultures when they, when these when organizations create their cultures around these these values. They use it when we're making hiring decisions. I know we do it here internally. You know, we're looking down the list and say, okay, these are our values, and these are the people that that are applying for the job. Which ones of these things these people best match our values? Do you guys um, number one? What are the 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 exogenic values that that you guys build your your culture around, and how do you use them? in order to kind of make hiring decisions and, and build your team culture and that kind of thing? Well, the values came out of, again, when we were a, a pretty tiny company, maybe 12 people, and yet we knew we were going to grow quickly. So for us, quickly was, my gosh, we'll be 25 or 30 in a year. Uh, so, you know, but as a perspective, that's a big change when you're 12 people. And we decided it would be important to put down on paper what were the values or were sort of the, the guideposts that we had as a group so that as we expanded, we could get that consistency of thinking 
um, while appreciating differences because our values are we you know we want to have passionate debate we still want to have different perspectives on things sure. um, but we do have some things that we think are non-negotiable so for us patient safety is our first priority yeah. um, that's yeah. one of our values and we never waver from it um, that's you know you know sort of central in everything we do is putting that patient first in in what we work on. Um, we also have a very team-based collaborative culture, but that doesn't mean we don't disagree. In fact, we say we want passionate debate because we right. want those diverse views to make sure that we make the best possible decision. Um, we also say speed is critical. Um, we're a high growth company. You can't spend six months trying to analyze something. Um, one of the advantages of being a high growth but smaller company um, and we're uh, 400 and some people today. So we're still able to make decisions quickly, but also course correct as needed. And so we want to make the right decision. We're going to protect the most important things, again, that patient. But we can take some smaller risks and then correct as we go along. And then another component for us is fun. And we write fun into our values. And we spend a lot of time at work. We like the people we work with, but we want to have fun while we do that too. Nice. And, the, and so as the, as the, I mean, obviously when, when things um, occurred during the, the pandemic, I'm assuming that some of those were much, much, much more difficult to kind of keep it, keep on the front burner, specifically the fun part <laughs> for us. It was like, Hey, we are a fun guy. That's all we do is we go help people have fun. That's our main kind of job. But man, for a couple of months here, it, it was not much fun to come into the office if we were able to come into the office, right? So, yeah, during the earliest part of the pandemic, I think we were so focused on just trying to figure out what was happening uh, that we didn't do a lot of fun things. Same we really focused, and we talked, we spent a lot of time thinking about what is the next right decision, you know, just very short term focus, but to keep moving forward step by step. And we had to make a lot of decisions very, very quickly to protect patients, to protect our employees, um, to protect the continuity of our business. All of those were things that we had to do really quickly. Once we got to sort of a stable footing, so that was a few months in, um, then we tried to figure out how do we get fun back together? And uh, and so we did a, a, a lot of different things. Um, so we set up uh, SharePoint sites where we all posted funny pictures of our you know office. People shared their problems with uh, you know and support for each other. So well, not as much fun, but at least collaborative of the woes of home internet and how in the world you keep it going so that when the kids are playing video games, you can do a video call. Right. Um, all of these little tips and tricks helped. Um, we got we had uh, pictures of everybody's uh, furry office friends uh, sitting with them in the office. So we would sort of share our lives that way. Um, we did uh, crazy hat day, sports right. team day. So you shared pictures. We did virtual get togethers. Um, we did a murder mystery where I turned out to be the murderer and I didn't know it. Uh, <laughs> but that's <the> one. <laughs> so we did a lot of we did a lot of things like that just to keep the momentum and try and um, be uh, engaging. Now, one thing I did miss is that we have always had an all company in-person meeting and we had to convert that to a virtual meeting. And while I think it was a great engaging event, I'm looking forward to having an all company meeting again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think we all are. Yeah. I kind of mentioned that that's one of the things that we're kind of seeing as a, as a company is that a lot of our clients that have had the, 
the uh, it's it's kind of, it's almost like this huge pent up demand now, where a lot of times folks are that are asking us to come out and lead their meetings or are meeting for the very first time ever. They've got people that have come on board during the pandemic. They've never met any of their coworkers face to face. And now they're kind of meeting for the first time. And that's creating a whole new kind of series of opportunities. And, and I don't want to say challenges because I don't think they're challenges. I think it's just opportunities for us to kind of build team teamwork in a, in a whole new way. So um, yeah, I, I look forward to, uh, to the, very near future and being able to kind of do some of those things. Hey, you mentioned um, when you and I were kind of chatting before before um, starting the call, uh, you, you kind of mentioned that uh, during the process, you know, you're always looking for that. We don't know what we're going to be doing two months from now or three months about, but what's the next thing that we that we need to do? Um, and then some of those things along the way that you kind of figured out, like the like the cell phone microscopic, you know, using your cell phone to create the microscopic images and that kind of thing were things that um, probably were like, wow, we didn't even know those were even possible, but now we can kind of stick with some of those good things. And then there were probably other things along the way. I think you call them pain points that, that means that you're like, man, okay. So once we can get back to not having these, let's, let's get rid of these things. So how are you, how are you guys um, as a, as a group or how are you as a, as a as a leadership team, I guess, kind of determining along the way, hey, th- this is okay in the short run, but you know we're going to need to make some changes and that kind of thing. What kind of processes were you going through, and what kind of things did you find that were really good that you wanted to keep, and things that were like, oh my god, we got to get out of this when this when this is over, right? Well, as a as a fast moving and high growth company, uh, really focused on innovation. I think innovation comes from that collision of disparate ideas that sort of create an invention. And we've just felt that that doesn't happen on Zoom. Um, right. In fact, it happens. You can try and set up formal brainstorming sessions, but more often than not, it happens through happenstance of people meeting in a you know in the in the break room or taking a walk and thinking uh, you know free will thinking and it all of those things have one thing in common and that's they're in person and so we decided uh, at least for us we couldn't remain 100% virtual we needed in fact we said we are really better together right. on the other hand there are times people like working from home. It's a real convenience. And so we we went back and forth, sort of the yin and yang of these two very different ideas to say, how do we marry them up? And uh, we pulled together a group of employees from across the organization, and they came up with a proposal that I think is fabulous. And it's what we've been now doing for a number of months. And it's we established what we call collaboration hours. So nine to three on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, everybody's in the office. Um, we want people to have that ability to clean. Now we have all kinds of safety protocols while we're in the office, but we are back in the office um, so that you can have that opportunity for collision. You have that opportunity for collaboration. But we also recognize that life also was a lot easier in some ways when you could maybe get up early or late and flex your hours or be flexible and work from home. And so if you want to work from home on Wednesdays and Fridays completely, that's fine. And those hours beyond nine to three, you can come in early or you can work early. You can work late. You can do it from home or a Starbucks or the office, your choice. But we do ask people to be together during those collaboration hours. And I think it's been 
a really nice balance of learning from the benefits of uh, that more flexible work environment while filling in this gap that we had on on these innovation opportunities. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, that we. I mean, that is one of the um, the the things that I've heard over and over again is that when um, because people got used to working from home, getting them to come back and having that collaboration is way difficult. And especially with the kind of culture that you guys have created around built around collaboration, I could see how that could be very challenging to create those. That next innovation is just not going to come come about accidentally. It's got to be purposefully you know, um, set out to, to, to get there by the team and everything. So that's, that's fascinating. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that are going, Oh, that sounds like a great idea. We're going to try that too. We're going to try that also. Right. Yeah. Any other, any other kind of things that kind of worked out well that you wanted to, to kind of share things that you guys have done that, uh, that you, you really like, and man, we want to stick with it. And then I want to get to the pain points too. What are the, what are some of those things that just, man, the, I'll give you some of mine, by the way, too. If you want to hear this, like we 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 figure out every way not to do it before we actually figured out a way to do it. So, so um, I'm sure you. Well, I think um, one of the things that worked out really well for us is it caused us to take a look at all the little things that allow us to have business continuity. And uh, you know, I think we had sort of a macro plan, but in uh, following the sort of start back up of the economy, the supply chain shortages have not been trivial. Um, And so you've kind of, we've kind of had to learn to look over the horizon and around the corner a little bit to think about all the things that might go wrong. And from a supply chain, from a manufacturing standpoint, thinking about two and three levels deep, right? Uh, because your supplier might tell you everything's fine. Uh, but if you're getting labels, they need ink, they need paper, and they need glue. And there's been shortages on all of those <laughs> in the last year. <laughs> so, so you have to figure out how do we get what we need uh, and plan ahead. And uh, and so I think we've done a much more granular view of uh, supply chain continuity. And, I, and I've been very proud of our team and that we've been able to manage that. Uh, and stay that one step ahead of uh, of problems that that could really shut you down. And for us, um, much of what we supply are, are traumatic injuries. And so hospitals don't always know even who they're going to operate on tomorrow. tomorrow it right, depends yeah, on what yeah. happens today. Right. And so our continuity is absolutely essential or that person who gets hurt will not have the opportunity to have the the new algorithms provided for them uh, and have the opportunity for the functional recovery. So we want to make sure for the benefit of those patients. And again, I said, we're really patient centric that we must figure out how to have that continuity of both manufacturing and distribution so that we don't get shut down. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, I I could Kind of keep going. I, I know you, your time is really short, and I really appreciate the amount of, of time that you've actually spent with us and and helping our our listeners kind of overcome some of those challenges that that you guys went through. Um, and thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Um, anything you want to say in closing uh, to the to all the great people that are out there listening? Well, I think uh, the only thing I'd have in closing is to just say, I think we all have some things that we've learned that are new learned skills, and we shouldn't throw those out as we switch back to, you know, we shouldn't go back to the old normal. We should go back to what we think works best now. Uh, People are different. They've gone through a very stressful period. 
They work differently now. And so as leaders, we need to adjust our approach as well to continue to lead the organization. Oh, words of wisdom. Oh, thanks so much, Karen, for being a part of High Impact Leaders. Thanks, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.